Hey, this is Calvin Rosser from the Shit You Don't Learn in School podcast. Today, I want to talk about investing biases. What are the common ones? How do they manifest? And what can you do about it so that you can be a better investor, especially as bunches of more people are paying attention to the stock market, given the volatility and staying at home and all kinds of other factors. I really want to make sure that you understand maybe some of the psychological biases that you and I may fall victim to when we're thinking about investing so that you can better protect your money and make good, rational decisions. So I wanted to talk about investing biases today because I recently made a bunch of mistakes in the financial markets and I lost a bunch of money and it hurt really badly. And I just needed to study that and make sure I understood it so that I could act more rationally in the future. And it's not that I wasn't aware of these things and I had you know, an investing thesis that I live by and stuff, but suddenly I let my psychology get to me when there was enough volatility. And I want to make sure that you're prepared for the situation in which that may happen to you. I think Benjamin Graham puts it really well when he says, the investor's chief problem, even his worst enemy, is likely to be himself. To me, that's true. There's all kinds of other things that may impact you as an investor, but managing your psychology is a big, big thing. So we're going to talk about that. To start, I think as an investor, a generally accepted goal should likely be to maximize your wealth within the constraints of your risk tolerance. And the reality is that investors are not really rational by nature. They may say they are, but investors are emotional. They're driven by greed. They like to gamble. They're driven by hope and fear. And there's many ways in which this manifests, and it can lead to just irrational behavior. And if you're not careful, you can lose a bunch of your money, and that may lead to really bad outcomes for your general life. So I want to talk about five investing biases and what they look like and, and what you can do about them. The first one is overconfidence. So most investors overestimate their skills and they underweight the role of chance. This means that investors are overconfident in their abilities and overoptimistic about their assessments of the future. And when they experience good outcomes, they attribute those good outcomes to their selves and bad outcomes to external events outside of them. Now, this is a problem, not only in investing, but all kinds of things like planning in business organizations, because if you are overconfident in your decisions in investing, you're not really thinking about what investing is, which is allocating capital towards trying to make a profit in the future. And the reality is that you can't predict the future, although lots of pundits and talking heads try to do that. Predicting the future is not within the scope of any of our abilities. No one predicted uh, the stock market crash due to coronavirus. Of course, lots of people talked about the possibility of a pandemic, but we had no idea when that would happen, how it would manifest, or how it would translate to markets. And that's just another example of, you know, in February of this year, everyone thought things were rosy and we would have the best year ever when it came to company performance, and the world sort of turned upside down. Now, if you want to avoid the trap of overconfidence, the first thing is just to be aware that you have overconfidence and likely your overconfidence is bolstered by the confirmation bias, which is simply the fact that you look for information that confirms your existing beliefs and you underweight information that doesn't. And so you end up, you know, thinking you're more right than you are just because you filter out information that says you aren't. Some practical tips to avoid overconfidence from my perspective is to avoid listening to theories or hot stock tips from other investors or people online. Just remember, they don't really know what they're talking about and can't predict the future. So just be careful. And there's all kinds of incentives for why people would push you in one direction. 
And another thing is never allow a sense of urgency or fear of missing out to drive an investment decision. If it's a good investment, it will be there tomorrow. So if someone says, hey, you need to get in today or you're out, I'd likely just avoid that investment, even if it had the potential to be a good outcome, because you're going to be making the decision under pressure, which is likely not good. And truly, if it's a good investment, you'll be able to get in at some price tomorrow that will serve you in the future. The second bias is herd mentality. This is also called the bandwagon effect or groupthink. And there's many ways in which this manifests, but the, the perfect one to illustrate it is irrational exuberance, which is a concept discussed by uh, economist Robert Schiller in his book, Irrational Exuberance. But these are periods where the market tends to have very, very high prices due to herd mentality about specific assets. So there's many, many examples of this throughout history. There was the Dutch tulip craze of the 1600s. There's the nifty 50s of a bunch of awesome companies from the 50s that ended up being good companies, but way overpriced. There's the 2000s.com bubble. There's the cryptocurrency craze from a few years ago. And essentially, these are periods that have similar characteristics, although they're often speculating about different assets. And these characteristics include new technologies, business opportunities, or unique valuation criteria that people use to have positive feedback loops that drive stock prices very, very high. And essentially, this happens in, in periods throughout time. And so you see these big asset bubbles, whether it's real estate or the tulip craze or the dot-com bubble with technology companies where prices get really, really high based on people believing a certain set of ideas. And then eventually they crash. And that crash is big. It's 50 to 90% often. And that crash many, many times burns investors very badly. And it's often retail investors like you and me that get in near the peak of that asset bubble and experience the depth of the crash and lose lots of money unnecessarily. This is widely driven by this general belief that this time is different. Investors will come up with all kinds of ways to say this time is different. And the reality is it may or may not be different, but here's my advice on this one. Don't get swept up in speculative quick, get rich quick schemes. If it sounds too good to be true, it is. If you want to be a good investor, you need to be prudent enough to avoid mistakes in addition to finding opportunities to bet on. So to avoid this one, maybe just don't pay too much attention to the tales of other people making money. Don't get in on the hot IPOs or the hot stock tips from friends that are going to disappear overnight. That is going to you know, allow you to likely avoid this herd mentality that things are awesome and getting caught in these crazy speculative asset bubbles that crash and burn you as an investor. So just keep that in mind as you see as you see things. And remember that if it's too good to be true, it is. The third bias to avoid is loss inversion. This is one of my personal favorites, even though it's one of the most painful. And it's the idea that losses in markets or in life hurt about 2.5 times more than equivalent gains. So the pain I experience when I lose $100 in the market is about equivalent to the joy I would get from earning $250 in the market. So this bias explains a lot of things. One of the things it explains very well is why investors tend to sell their winning stocks. So if a stock goes up 10%, I'm excited. I want to lock in a gain and it feels good to do that. I feel smart, all these things. So I sell it at a 10% gain. Over the next couple of years, the stock doubles or triples and I lose out on all of these future gains. And it's just because I wanted to feel good. Now, on the other hand, investors will tend to hold on to the losers because it hurts to sell the loser. 
And so you'll end up holding all of these losing stocks, hoping that one day they're going to recover. And sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. So it's better to just get get rid of those losers. There's also a social reason for this outside of the psychology uh, that goes in in your own internal system. And that's that with stocks and anything related to investments, it just hurts to tell friends about losses. I've definitely experienced this. And it's just really sexy to talk about your gains. So if you know friends are talking about stuff, they're often sort of boasting about their gains, maybe avoiding talking about their losses. And that's just because it's cool to be a good investor. And so that's another reason why you know, you may hold on uh, to the losers and then not talk about them. Another related effect here is something called the endowment effect, which is essentially you assign excessive value to the investments that you currently own. An example outside of the investment world is if you buy a coffee mug and it's your favorite coffee mug, you use it every morning and you bought it for $5. If someone said, hey, how much can I pay you for that coffee mug? You're probably going to say something actually more than $5. Even though it's not rational, you could go buy that same mug for $5. You've owned this thing. You've had these experiences with it. And you just attribute more emotional value to the coffee mug than perhaps it's actually worth. And we do the same things with investments. The things we own in our portfolio, we have some sort of tie to them because we own them. And that can lead to irrational decisions. So the lesson here is, Sell the losing stocks when you know. Don't get trapped into holding on to the losers and watching them go down, down, down. And also hold on to the winners. Don't just sell them to feel good about yourself or to feel good about you know the loser that you sold to. Hold on to the winners. And this is really difficult to do because we can't predict the future. So we don't know if stocks will go up or down, but we may get information that tells us that our initial thesis was wrong or that changes our opinion. And if that's the case, definitely use that to update your beliefs and don't go by this uh, strategy of selling the winners and holding on to the losers. Another thing is, if you do sell your losers, or you're losing in the markets as an investor, do not get emotional and start to play loose. This happens in poker, but what this means is you want to make up for your loss. And so you start making bigger bets to make up for that loss. And you're not really thinking about those as much because you're playing loose and you're trying to make up for this painful experience. And that may just lead to a further cascade of bad investments and, and you losing a lot more money than if you had just accepted that initial loss. So that's a big one to avoid. The fourth bias is the falling knife. So there's this idea that when bad news is flowing about an asset or a company, people don't want to catch the falling knife. Essentially, as the company is getting bad news and things are going really badly, if you catch the knife on the way down, you're just going to get stabbed. So just let it fall to the floor. Now, in some cases, this is actually good advice because a company is going down. They're going bankrupt, whatever it is, and it's truly a bad investment. There are other cases when people feel like it's a falling knife, but it's really an asset that's been overly sold and therefore is at a lower price, and that may be a really, really good bargain and investment. And so let's talk about airlines for a second. Airlines have been battered during the coronavirus I think something like 90 plus percent of travel has been erased over the last couple of months, slowly coming back. And so airlines have dropped 50 plus percent in value. And now some person may say, wow, this is an amazing investment, right? Uh, travel will recover. Maybe it'll take a couple of years, but I'm essentially getting Southwest Airlines at a really low price. Now, another person may say, look, coronavirus changed the travel industry permanently, uh, airlines are not coming back and people's behavior will change. And this company is just going to struggle even more. There's good arguments on both sides. 
there's all kinds of factors. There could be government bailouts. There's new developments in the virus. There's new developments in consumer behavior. And it's really an uncertain future. And so it could be true that it actually is an example of a falling knife that's a good investment. Or it could be an example of one that is a terrible investment. And so this is up to you to decide. But the point is, if you identify a falling knife that may be a good investment, if you say, look, I think the travel industry, it may be battered for a couple of years, but five, 10 years from now, it's going to be fine. And I believe that this company is going to make it through this. They're not going to go through bankruptcy or whatever. This may be a great time to invest. And so when other investors are fearful, you can capitalize on this opportunity. You may suffer some short-term losses or price declines because it's impossible to get to a bottom of an asset or you have to be incredibly lucky to do that. You may decide something else. You may say, hey, I'm not touching this thing. It's too risky, whatever. But just know that the falling knife can be both true or false. And if it's false, it might be a great bargain for you. Fifth and final bias, anchoring. So we tend to anchor ourselves to pieces of information and experiences that may just cloud our judgment. They may be things that actually happen, but are just not at all relevant about our decisions. So when it comes to picking stocks, what a lot of people do is they look at the current price and they look at, look at that price relative to the historical price. And they start saying in their mind, well, if this is down 40%, it's going to get back up to its peak. So I have, you know, a potential 40% gain over time. And here's the reality. There's no information about the current or former price that can reliably tell you whether a stock is going to move up or down. And so you're anchoring to this piece of information, the current and historical prices that may not actually lead you to making good investment decisions. Perhaps a better way of thinking about that one in particular is, okay, what is the value of this asset or company that I'm trying to buy? What is its intrinsic value? How will it do in the future? What will be its dividends? What will be its growth, et cetera? And what is the price that it's currently trading at? And if you find that the price that it's currently trading at is below what you believe to be the value of that through your calculations and thoughts about this, then maybe it's an amazing uh, time to buy, or at least there's a high probability that you'll be happy with this investment decision. And so you can use that type of thinking versus anchoring to some other piece of information. Now, there's all kinds of ways in which this happens with investing. You may anchor to the maximum value of your portfolio. And if you say, hey, my portfolio is 20% lower than what it was at its peak, then you're always going to be anchored to this top of your portfolio and feel inadequate because of that. You may anchor yourself to a thesis that you once thought that you failed to update because it didn't come true. And even though you've got new information that makes it false, you're just holding on to this idea because you want it to be true. And so anchoring can really influence your judgment in pretty irrational ways. And so one way to combat this is to actually ask yourself, am I anchoring myself to something that is not allowing me to make rational investment decisions? And if yes, even though it's really, really hard, find a way to update your thinking so that you can break that unhelpful anchoring cycle and start to think rationally about what is it that I know today and what is it that I believe about today that will inform my opinion about the future and don't worry about these previous things that happen. Of course, learn from the past and all these other things, but don't forget to update your thinking and not to anchor to useless pieces of information, which is super easy to do. So those are the five biases. Let me recap real quickly. There's the overconfidence bias. So you're overestimating your skills and underweighting the role of chance. There's herd mentality, and that's where you know groups of people start to think in similar ways, and that can lead to really crazy, irrational markets around specific assets usually, and then often there's a crash. There's loss aversion and the endowment effect, so losses hurt more than gains, and we often 
you know, feel excessive value towards the things that we own. There's the falling knife, which is that when bad news is coming out and there's lots of it, that you don't want to catch the falling knife on the way to the bottom when it may actually be a good investment. And there's anchoring, which is, you know, thinking that certain pieces of information or experiences from the past are relevant to your current decisions. And sometimes they aren't. The key with all of these is one, to understand they exist and to understand them. Think about how they manifest for other investors, but also for you and to do things to protect yourself against falling victim to these biases, because at the end of the day, what they do is they make you an irrational investor. I would argue that most of us are irrational investors, but I think what you want to do is to protect yourself against those irrationalities because they may hurt your wealth and therefore potentially your quality of life. And again, I think a rational investor maximizes his or her wealth within the constraints of his or her individual risk tolerance. And to do that, you need to be aware of these biases and protect yourself from them. This is super important right now. There's more people investing than ever. Lots of people are sitting at home. Instead of sports gambling, they're turning to financial markets. And there's people who you know are young in their investing career, like myself, making all kinds of mistakes and bets on the future. And it can be really dangerous if you do that without really thinking through what you're doing and understanding the ways in which it may go really poorly, which is something that, you know, I had to experience in my own way and have gone about and re-educated myself on certain things, such as the biases that can help you start to think a little bit more rationally. It does not mean that you're going to win or that this is some foolproof system, but it is something that's important to understand if you're going to be putting your hard-earned money into uh, certain assets. And so I hope you found this useful. If you want to find some of the notes on this podcast, you can go to calvinrosser.com forward slash podcast. Also, I'm going to be publishing a much more comprehensive investing guide, which includes these biases, the purpose of investing, your ideal portfolio, tips for stock picks, and all kinds of other things that I've learned along the way. And that is essentially my codified investing theory. I'll be publishing that soon. To receive that, the best thing to do is go to the website, calvinrosser.com, and sign up to the email newsletter. Uh, You can find it more easily at calvinrosser.com forward slash newsletter, and I will send out the guide there. It's just a newsletter that goes out once a week. It's designed to help you improve the quality of your life across your finances, your health, your relationships, etc. And that's where I share the latest articles, podcast episodes, and other resources that I'm finding. So that's the best way to follow along if you enjoyed this content and want to receive that investing memo. So thanks for tuning in. Again, I hope you found this useful. Please invest safely, be smart, and remember the future is unpredictable. So if you're betting on it, just be careful. (music) 